Good morning. It is December 1st, an overcast morning in New York City. The cat is slamming into the walls, and this is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. Sandra Day O'Connor, the first woman on the Supreme Court, has died at the age of 93. Her trailblazing extended beyond gender representation to her work as the key architect of the court's Bush v. Gore decision, in which, guided by her own desire to retire under a Republican administration so that she could be replaced by a Republican, she made the case that it would be unfair to allow the state of Florida to continue counting votes to figure out who actually won there. In later life, dismayed by the partisanship of the court that emerged from the reciprocally partisan relationship between the presidency and the court that she herself had encouraged, she allowed us to how perhaps that decision had been a bit of overreach. Maybe she could have thought of that in 2000, but she didn't. The D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals this morning ruled that Donald Trump is not immune to civil liability in lawsuits from people harmed by the January 6th attack on the Capitol. When the then-president gathered his supporters and told them to fight like hell, the court ruled he was not exercising his powers as president of the United States, but merely acting as a presidential candidate. The Washington Post notes that at oral argument, Trump attorney Jesse Benal said it didn't matter that Trump's purpose was political. You cannot separate the governance from re-election, he said. If the president wants re-election, it's so he can continue to govern. The court did not buy that line of argument, although if Trump wins the next election, we'll get to see four more years of people trying out some version or another of it. On the front of today's New York Times is an astonishing scoop that the paper delivered last night. The headline is extremely straightforward and comprehensive. Israelis saw plan for Hamas attack over a year ago. Officials brushed off detailed blueprint, concluding it couldn't be done. Reporters Ronan Bergman and Adam Goldman write, Israeli officials obtained Hamas's battle plan for the October 7th terrorist attack more than a year before it happened. Documents, emails, and interviews show. But Israeli military and intelligence officials dismissed the plan as aspirational, considering it too difficult for Hamas to carry out. The approximately 40-page document, which the Israeli authorities codenamed Jericho Wall, outlined point by point exactly the kind of devastating invasion that led to the deaths of about 1,200 people. And the story just goes on from there, in detail. It is, as a lot of people have already noted, as if the intelligence briefing that George W. Bush ignored, telling him bin Laden was determined to attack within the United States, had specified that al-Qaeda planned to hijack planes out of Logan Airport and National Airport and fly them into the Pentagon and the World Trade Center. It's a genuinely incomprehensible degree of failure, In a world even 5% closer to justice than our own, Benjamin Netanyahu would already have been hogtied and lobbed over the fence into Gaza by now. And speaking of blood-soaked, cynical, and incompetent monsters, responsible for thousands of unnecessary deaths, Henry Kissinger remains dead, and the Times delivered on its promise of even more obituary that it made yesterday. The extended dance mix, released under the headline Refugee from Nazis, He Shaped World History, jumps from page 1 to page A20, continues across page A21, fills all of pages A22 and A23, and wraps around to take up all of page A24 as well. Page A25 features a White House memo piece about Kissinger and a sidebar about the Chinese reaction to his death. The photo captions on the package alone include, through the 1990s and beyond, Mr. Kissinger helped to reduce the world's nuclear weapons, but also... Mr. Kissinger resigned a 9-11 commission post rather than divulge his consulting firm's clients. Barack Obama said he had spent much of his presidency trying to repair the world Mr. Kissinger had left. Drawn out, U.S. officials leaving Saigon in 1973, 
Mr. Kissinger had an opportunity to end the war early in Nixon's presidency on terms as good as he ultimately settled for later, yet he turned it down. Chile, carrying the body of President Salvador Allende after his 1973 ouster, which Mr. Kissinger and the Nixon administration aided. The coup initiated the brutal tenure of Augusto Pinochet. East Timor, preparing in 1975 for an Indonesian invasion. Mr. Kissinger and President Ford secretly approved it, leading to a long conflict that left more than 100,000 people dead. And Cambodia, refugees in 1975. Mr. Kissinger supported a secret bombing campaign in Cambodia, which was intended to hinder Viet Cong forces, but at least 50,000 civilians were killed. Again, that's just some of the photo captions. Truly a life of vast, one might even say enormous, accomplishments. That is the news. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Indignity to keep us going. And if all goes well, we will talk again on Monday.